It's time now for super psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. Welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years this evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and at 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And today is Sunday, March the 20th, 2022, and I'm psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell, and we are back live from Austin, Texas. And we continue to hold the Ukrainian people in our hearts today and throughout the days, and we continue to pray for their safety. Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is here with us as usual to make the show run smoothly. And in a little while after the break, we'll be joined from right here in Austin, Texas, once again by Elise Crenzel. This time, Elise will discuss her new, her new memoir, Under My Skin, Drama, Trauma, and Rock and Roll, about how she became a young rock journalist on the KISS Japan tour. And then later in the show, we'll be joined by a musician also here in Austin, Texas. He's a composer, producer, singer, keyboardist, bass player, and saxophonist. Michael Hamilton will be here to talk about his music, and we'll be playing some of his original music. And with everything going on in the world right now, I'll be talking a little bit about finding peace within in a world of uncertainty and of war. And throughout this evening's program, we will have time to take your questions. So if you have any questions or comments for me or for my guests, please feel free to give a call. The toll-free number is 855-345-4720. That's 855-345-4720. Or you can email your questions to me, and I will read them on the air to my guests. My email address is drmara, D-R-M-A-R-A, at drmarakarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L. And later, you can hear this evening's program again by going to my website, drmaricarpel.com, and the podcast will be posted later tonight along with all of the website links and important information that my guests discuss on the program. And you can also hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the show ends by going directly to Blog Talk Radio, B-L-O-G, talkradio.com, Slash your golden years, and you can also find it on Apple Podcasts. This evening's program is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by AMightyGoodTime.com. Wondering what to do after you're 50? How about having a mighty good time? It's free to search, free to post, and much more. Whether it's in person or virtually, anything can be found to fill your day with others. So be more active in your days. Go to amightygoodtime.com. That's amightygoodtime.com. Okay, we're going to take a brief break, um, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after a brief, very brief um, message from our sponsors. And we'll be speaking with Elise Krenzel about her latest book, Under My Skin, her memoir. So 
So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com. And we're back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaricarpell.com. And now joining us on the phone from right here in Austin, Texas, um, is Elise Krenzel. She is a coach, um, executive She does executive coaching, and she spoke about that when she was on the program in December 2020. And she recently published, wrote and published her memoir about her journey as a young rock and roll journalist on the KISS tour in the 1970s, Under My Thumb, Under My Skin. Sorry, I'm sorry, Elise, I'm I'm mixing it up with the Rolling Stones. (laughs) Very easy to do. So, So welcome, Elise. Welcome back. Welcome to you, too, and it's a pleasure to be here again, Mara. Thanks for inviting me again. Yeah, I just want to remind you, and also this is for the benefit of the listeners, that when we speak like this, there's a slight delay, like maybe a second or a second and a half, just enough to trip us up if we don't know that it's there. So, um, so Elise, it sounds like you've been busy during the pandemic. Indeed, I have. This book was a pro- this book was a project inside of me for over twenty years. Okay. When the so, pandemic went, go on. Sorry. When that when the pandemic hit, it was the it was a golden opportunity to just mm-hmm. hunker down and do this, and it took a year and a half to write, to edit, of course, with help from other people, and to memorialize the events and the feelings, which I hope will touch many, many people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So before we jump into the book, um, why don't you talk a little bit about your background, just so the audience has an idea of who you are. Sure. At the current moment, what I'm doing is book marketing and public relations, and I'm also coaching people how to write their own books, and I do ghostwriting, especially for Mm -hmm. nonfiction authors of business and personal stories. Okay. All right. So 
what you said this book has been in in you for like 20 years and the pandemic sort of triggered you know gave you the opportunity but what really led to this desire to write this book i've always had the comment uh by many people in business friends acquaintances you have to write your story you've had so many stories within a life story need to get it out to the public. And, of course, through public speaking, I've touched upon some of the stories that are in the book, and I just felt it was time. I was ready to reveal what was in my heart and what had happened to me as a child. This book is one of three, and it is the first in the trilogy, which goes from age 5 to 20. I wanted various people to understand that they are not alone in their struggles. Mm-hmm. 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 So, yeah, I did, I did have a chance to read the book and, and it is, you know, quite, quite a life that you had. And it, I'm interested in reading the second two because it, it stops before we get to the present. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But, you know, you spoke on this show the last time in December 2020 about um, assisting people to essentially live their truth and become their own person, to follow their dreams. Um, And it seems like that's the theme really of this book, that there's no coincidence that that's the theme of your personal life, to find your truth. Correct. And I have been the archaeologist of my own life, excavating that which would be my truth, where I could live my truth. And the way I have approached that is through a series of what others call courageous adventures. Okay. Okay. So I know that you, you know, you wrote... um, about how the intense suffering in your own life um, led you to, in your words, you said that it led you to learn more grace and humility as well as self-love. Can you talk about that a little bit? Just touch on that? Yes, absolutely. I think that so many of us walk around as wounded warriors our whole lives or whatever amount of time in our lives and whether we are victims or whether we are martyrs or whether we are victims of victims, the fact is we cannot live our truth until we understand how our mind has worked in tense or difficult or obstacle-like situations, some traumatic, as in my case, as in many of your listeners. We cannot understand how to move forward fully in our own power until we can not just recognize but name exactly what it was. That doesn't necessarily mean looking backward. It means looking inward. Mm-hmm. hmm Right. Right. You know, in Buddhism, they talk about that, that mindfulness is not about you know, escaping from pain, it's about naming, naming it. Right. And once we can name it, then 
it, we can give shape to it. We can give color. We can give personality to it, if you will. And then mm-hmm. we can choose to carry it with us, put it down in a corner, get rid of it, throw it away. We can decide what we want to do with it without it controlling our lives. Mhm. Mhm. Right. Because it does, it does tend to control our lives if we don't notice that it's there or we don't pay attention to it. It it sort of drives, it sort of drives us, and we don't even realize it. That's true. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've spent my life trying to uncover how and why I was feeling certain things, how and why I had certain reactions which didn't feel right to me. And, of course, as a younger person, as a younger person, you blame others. It's their fault. It's my parents' fault or my siblings or my exes. No, it's nobody's fault. It's your own understanding that you needed to go through it for whatever the reason is in order to learn how to heal that particular part of yourself. Mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. I guess I must have been a really bad person in another life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, <laughs> there are all different theories about that. Some say it's, uh, you know, karma. Other people say that this is just earth school, you know. Right. We're learning, we're learning. And we're just not fully developed yet until we've gone through all our lessons. <laughs> right. Right. And so I feel that because I've been able to heal all of the suffering and pain and trauma of my past, that's why I was able to write the book. And I was able to write it. I don't know if you agree with me. However, I wrote it in a, a dramedy, a dramatic, comedic way. Because I have objectivity now. I can look back and laugh at certain situations. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, that's healthy because, you know, humor is a way of, it helps us to heal, actually. You know, Did we you can find laugh it a little our... funny? Yeah, absolutely. Very In a very New York funny, and very New York humor kind of way. <laughs> Well, I am from New York. <laughs> right. And, you know, since I'm from New York, it, it really, I was able, but I, I'm not saying that other people wouldn't find it funny at all. You know, I'm not saying that, but I definitely could recognize the New York humor. Um, right. So, so I'm sure, you know, people listening must be curious about this. Like, how did you end up as a rock and roll journalist on the KISS Japan tour? In 1977. Okay. Well, when I was a teenager, I went through a a number of sufferings. And as my liberal flower power mother allowed me to express myself in the arts, she encouraged it. She didn't allow me to be myself emotionally. So it had to go somewhere the expression had to go somewhere, so it came out in writing. 
And I had an aha moment probably when I was about 15 that I would be a rock journalist because I could see the coupling of my love and ability to play music with writing. Plus, I was at the time a walking Wikipedia of whatever was going on in the rock and alternative pop and punk music scene, which was just beginning. Mm-hmm. So I would leave my mother's home and go into the city, city meaning New York City for those who don't live there. And I would go to concerts at all the great venues in the 70s, Maxis, Kansas City, Academy of Music, um, and several other clubs. And hobnob afterwards with the musicians. What I would do is I would go home, write a record review, or write a concert review. I would also sometimes get some snippets of gossip or things that were happening, write that, send it off. This is pre-internet days, obviously. So we would have to send uh-huh. off our article, which was typewritten on an IBM electric typewriter. Uh, send right. it off in the <laughs> right. Send it off in uh-huh. the postal mail, and wait for a response from a magazine. Okay, fast forward two years later, I was continually doing this. I wasn't going to give up. Two years later, I got an acceptance to write for Circus Magazine, which is one of the leading consumer music magazines of its day. Mm-hmm. And from there, from there, I had a strategy. I said, okay, I'm this little twerp, snooty teenager who now was graduated high school, living in New York City apartment, working, going to school at night. How am I going to get my name known amongst the greats like New York Times, New York Magazine, New York Post, a very competitive market. So my idea was to become the New York correspondent for Canadian and British magazines, music magazines and music industry magazines. Both two Canadian magazines said yes immediately, and then I could get on the mailing list of the record companies, of the publicity companies, the manage, managerial companies of the band, get the swag, invited everywhere, and I was on my way. About hmm. six months into this, now I'm 19 years old, I get a phone call from the manager, from the PR manager of KISS, asking me if I'd like to go on tour to Japan. They were leaving for Japan in March of 1977. They were taking 10 journalists with them and 10 tons of equipment. It would be their most wild extravaganza. And I said, no, because I don't like the band. Uh (laughs) Now, as I said, I was a little bit uh, hoity-toity. And I told the the manager, I said, if I can't write what I want, I don't want to go on the tour. And he goes, I will guarantee that you will like this band. So three weeks later, he called me back, and he was prodding me, do you want to go? And what changed my mind, why I said yes, is because during those three weeks where I had a chance to think about it, I was on Broadway, and I was looking at a marquee, and a play that caught my interest was called, um, oh, now I forget the name, 
I wrote it in the book. Um, overtures, Pacific Overtures. I bought myself a ticket, went to the play. The play was all about Japan and its wondrous technology. Oh. And the people and how hardworking and the food and their culture. It was an introduction to Japan and it blew me away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that coupled with my urge to travel, because I had been to Europe when I was 16 for two months. I was fascinated with China, and now here comes another country on my radar. And so I said yes. Okay. So what was that experience like? How long were you there, and what was it like? Okay, I'm not going to do spoiler alerts because I want people to read it in the book. So let me yes. give an overview. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all I want. I don't want anything that, yeah, that gives it away. <laughs> well, what it was like was thrilling. Thrilling. Mm. Going on a Pan Am Clipper. It was devoted to Kiss. Kiss and its crew, the roadies, the band their managerial staff, their wives or girlfriends, the 10 journalists. We had this 707 to ourselves. And then landing in Japan with thousands of screaming fans. Wow. Crazy, crazy. And, you know, we were not allowed to see kids without makeup at this time. Oh, really? So, really, no, no, that was all part of the appeal. So, Even you were not allowed to see them? We, the journalists, were, you... were not allowed to see them without makeup, no. Wow, okay. And they so they had their makeup the on. That... Oh, okay. I was going to say, did they have the makeup on during the whole trip? No, they stayed in another part of the plane. We were not allowed uh-huh. there. Okay. Interesting. It's a 12-hour flight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's wild. And how long were you in Japan? Three weeks. It was a three-week tour all over Japan. 17 Mm -hmm. days, actually. Yeah, a little short of three weeks. If anybody has seen the film Almost Famous, I am the female version of that. And then couple it with the TV series Shameless, that's my story. Almost Famous meets Shameless. Okay. I've seen Almost Famous. I have not seen Shameless, so I'll have to take a look. Well, you should, especially as you're being a psychologist. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. So what do you think that this experience going on tour with, with Kiss being in that rock and roll world, what do you think that experience taught you or or helped you to get to where you are today? Well, there's several takeaways about it. Number one, it changed my life forever. It was an enormous change because I stayed in Japan for an additional five Mm. years, but that is all in book two. So it Mm -hmm. changed my life forever. The second I guess, less uh, emphatic, but equally as important uh, change 
or influence was that if I have a dream and I believe in myself, nothing will stop me. Mm -hmm. So being persistent, persistent, determined, without a doubt, continuing. Yeah, I mean, it really sounds like you just stayed on that path until you got what you wanted. Correct. And I haven't yeah, changed. I mean, uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, most people would have given up. If you didn't get, well, the, you know, you didn't get accepted by the magazine immediately, people would give up. Right. And that's, that's the difference between being successful. And I'm not defining this financially. I'm defining it as successful in what you want to achieve in your own life. If you want something <laughs> and you want it bad enough, then you must believe in it bad enough not to give up. Mhm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I'm thinking about is that, um, you know, in in spite of the suffering that you had in your own life and your own family growing up, um, you didn't give up on yourself. I guess, you know, there are two ways that story can go where somebody completely gives up on themselves after having gone through such a difficult, you know, childhood, adolescence, or they can say, I'm, uh, you know, become more determined to succeed at what they want. I, I, my brother gave up. He's the Mm -hmm. opposite. My brother gave up. He was not built in the same way. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But your story, um, you know, really, your story really, um, I think, shows people that it doesn't have to go that way. Correct. You can, you can still live with, you can live with your experience and still push beyond that experience. In other words, whatever my environment was, I knew it wasn't the be-all and end-all of not only my life, the world. And I think it was because I went to Europe at 16, and it opened up my eyes towards nine different countries, cultures, languages, um, sociology, culture that I came back still a high school student one more year to go with Mm -hmm. a completely opened mind, a mindset that was, that was blown apart. Anything I had learned before was, was okay. Now I knew there were many, many more ways to live and think and go about being in the world. That was a well. That's very. That was a motivator. So, that was a motivator mm-hmm. for me. So that's very interesting. When uh, you know that uh, 
that understanding of other people and other ways to be is really, really important. And, and not everybody has the opportunity to travel at a young age. Um, but it's still, it's still important. So do you have ideas about how people can learn about the world and see other ways of thinking and living, um, relating to the world, even if they're not able to travel? Yeah, it can start in your own backyard. The moment that one thinks one knows everything, it's just not true. So the first thing is to really be curious. Be curious about what you don't know. Be curious about Mm -hmm. what you don't understand. And just because you don't understand it or may not have a grasp on it, be curious to, to find out, wait, how does that work? Mm -hmm. How can I understand that? That's been my saving grace, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important. And, I, I, you know, and I think, you know, the, the, the bring it to where we all are today, right here in, this own, in our own country and people not getting along with their own neighbors. Um, I think having that open mind that you talk about to be able to understand how other people view the world and how they they live and how their culture functions might be a way of bringing about more peace. Well, that's always been my idealistic vision of the world. And so it was John Lennon's and I don't have to agree, right? I don't have to agree with anyone. They don't have to agree with me, but we absolutely Mm -hmm. need to respect one another Mhm. Mhm. So, so your suggestion of getting to being curious and understanding other people and and their ways and their way of viewing the world is both um, helps us internally in being able to get out of whatever situation we're in that not be stuck, but also helps. Uh, the world around us helps us externally to get along better. Yes, well, my worldview is simply that what is within is without. There is no separation, so. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Be the peace, as they as has been said. Be the peace that you want to see in the world. True, and I was not peaceful, and that you can read in the book, but I was adventurous, and I was curious, and I was Mm -hmm. determined and strong-willed. It it Mm -hmm. was much later that I became the peace, (laughs) quote-unquote. Right. (laughs) Those those are in the later chapter, the later book. Uh, Those are later books. (laughs) Right, the later books. (laughs) I have a quote, Mara. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Quote, it takes a long time to be on time. Okay. (laughs) So 
Elise, if if listeners want to read your book um, and also find out more about you and about um, your writing, coaching, and ghostwriting, and and all of that, um, what are the best ways that they can do that? All right. So for the book, it's available on Amazon. Under My Skin, Drama, Trauma, and Rock and Roll by Elise Prinsell, E-L-I-S-E-K-R-E-N-T-Z-E-L, regarding coaching, public relations, ghostwriting, they can reach me at Elise at E kpublicrelations.com and they can visit my website which is www.elisecrancel.com or Facebook or Instagram. Okay. All right. So I'm going to post all of that on my website post about this show later tonight. So if People didn't, weren't ready to write it down. <laughs> they could just go to my website later tonight and find the post about this show, and all of that will be there. Great. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Elise, for, for being on the program this evening, and I'm looking forward to reading the, the next in the trilogy. <laughs> thank you so much, okay. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you. All right. You as well. Okay. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to take a brief break. Um, Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Merrick Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Please visit us on the web at www.drmerrickcarpell.com. All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, um, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And I wanted to take a, a few minutes. Um, we might just start on it tonight and finish it next week um, before our musician um, joins us in a little while um, to talk about what's going on in the world right now and how we can find peace within us. Um, So last week I was up in Connecticut and um, I spoke to a group of Holocaust survivors who are an extremely resilient group of people um, who went on to, they were babies or young children at the time of the Holocaust and um, most of them were in the former Soviet Union at the time or somewhere in Eastern Europe and escaped when the Nazis came into their homes, into their hometowns. So right now they're, you know, dealing with, um, you know, 
having all of that re-triggered by what's going on in the world. And they had invited me originally to come up and speak about um, finding joy in your golden years, you know, kind of similar to what I wrote about in my book. But then the war started and I connected with the people who had arranged the talk and I, you know, I said, or, you know, how are the people in the group dealing with this? I don't want to ignore that. And they said, they told me that, yes, they are re- being re-traumatized by it. And I think that we all are, even though we're, you know, even those of us who were not in Eastern Europe and were not Holocaust survivors, that this is a really difficult situation. The more that it goes on, the heavier it feels. So how do we deal with that? And how do we become part of the solution? How can, we can't go and just stop the war, but there are things that we can do to bring more peace into the world, or at least um, help to mitigate some of the suffering. Um, We can mitigate suffering of, of the refugees who there are now millions of people who are refugees. Um, if we're more peaceful, we can, we can mitigate our own suffering, the the suffering of people around us in our own world and in other parts of the country, the world where, um, and this country where wars, there are other wars going on and other sorts of suffering. And how can we be more peaceful? And as I just said to Elise, you know, um, what she said is, you know, what's within is what's without. And, it, and, and you know, we can be the peace that we want to see in the world, but how do we do that if we're feeling so stressed out? And, you know, I have felt it as this has gone on and on and you see the pictures and the videos of people you know this is the first war that we've seen on social media where we've seen such um, explicit videos where we really we can actually see what's going on and it's pretty horrible Um, and for days I felt very um, heavy and then I had to to find a way to bring myself out of it and to, it doesn't mean ignoring what's going on and not feeling compassion and sadness and all of those feelings are legitimate, but then how do we uh, move past that so that we can bring more peace into the world? Um, So when we bring peace into the world, when we find a way to bring peace for ourselves, to bring it into the world, we're not talking about ignoring it. We're talking about finding a way to find our own balance so that we can make good decisions, we can be compassionate, and we can um, be more beneficial for the world rather than becoming so depressed that we just stay home and shut the door and stay in bed. Um, That's not helpful. So. You know, many of the things that um, I spoke about to this group uh, were things that I've talked about on this program many times, way before this ever occurred. And the peace has to start from within us. So as um, 
Chris, Dr. Kristen Neff, who was on this program, spoke about in her book, Fierce Self-Compassion. Um, it's really important that we are compassionate with ourselves, that we acknowledge that we've been going through a rough time, um, that we're having difficulty, that we've just been through two years of difficulty. Um, and we need to we need to give ourselves credit for having gotten through it. Um, do you give yourself credit for for making it this far? Do you treat yourself like your own best friend? Or do you berate yourself for not having done all that you think you should have done? Because that's not beneficial to you and it's not beneficial to, frankly, to the world. And the world really needs the most positive people right now. Um, So, you know, Kristen, when she was on the show, Dr. Neff advised that we make it a practice throughout the day, especially when we feel stressed out or down or just out of sorts, to put our hand on our heart. Put our hand on our heart, take a breath and ask, what do I need to do for me right now? What do I need? Do I need a nap? Do I need to take a few breaths? She also suggests that we imagine what we would say to ourselves if we were our own best friend. Would we berate our best friend or would we give them a break? And make time throughout your day to stop whatever you're doing and take a slow, deep breath to calm down your nervous system. And then one guest who has been on many times, Terry Hershey, the author of The Power of the Pause, he posted something about what was going on in the world, and I want to read that here. Um, he talked about refocusing our attention from the bigger world, which feels very overwhelming, to the smaller world the world around us in order for us to find inner peace and to be more effective in creating peace in the world. He wrote, when we see the bigger world, we tend to focus only and see only the muddled and topsy-turvy and crazy and chaotic and hopeless first and foremost. Seeing and engaging with the world that's right in front of me doesn't deny pain or cruelty or injustice. What it does do is to remind me that there is a world right in front of me where I can bring myself to choose and to give and to try and to care regardless of the outcome. And when I stop in order to see the world in front of me, I realize that it doesn't matter what I expect from life, but what life expects from me. So if we are mindful, if we are present in our current world and we're aware of our surroundings and what we're being asked to do in our current world and tending our own garden, as they call it, then we can be more of a beacon of light than when we're overwhelmed and our light is dimmed. Um, So we need to find ways to relax and we need to find ways to do things for other people right here. How can we be of help to the people around us right here? 
right? People who need us in our life. And I've asked this question before. How can I bring light into the world today? That's a question to ask ourselves. How can I bring light into the world today, into my world? Maybe a kind word to a neighbor, maybe helping a neighbor, helping a friend, helping someone in need. And or maybe giving to organizations who are helping the Ukrainian refugees or helping the Ukrainians right there in the in Ukraine. Um, we can do things to be of help. We can't take on the whole task. We're not, um, we, it's quite Herculean, but every little bit makes a difference. So what little thing can I do to bring light into the world? And what might I do to bring light right now into my own life? How can I find peace within myself. And those are both really important in order to make a difference and to be the peace in the world that we need right now and to be the light. It just takes one candle to light the darkness. So on that note, we're going to take a brief break and we're going to play the music of our next guest. And when we, after we come back from the music, he'll be joining us. Michael Hamilton will be joining us. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com.
All right, and we were just listening. We were just listening to the music of our, of our next guest, Michael Hamilton, um, who is, seems to be having a little bit of a technical problem, but see if he can get on. Um, Michael Hamilton composes, produces, sings, plays keyboard, bass, and as you heard him playing the saxophone. He's performed at the Austin Performing Arts Center. BBC London, the NFL World Bowl halftime show, the David Letterman show, the Turn Ben Stein on show, the Today Show, the Boston Globe Jazz Festival, and the Santa Barbara Jazz Festival. And he's recently been named the music director for the Manhattan Jazz and Wine Club. And Michael continues touring through the U.S., Brazil, and Europe. And we're hoping he can join us and get a better connection so that he could talk to us a little bit about his music. But maybe until then, until then, Art, um, can you play the next song that he sent us? Oh, there he is. There's Michael joining us right now. Hi, Michael, there. are you there? Hey, you got through. Yeah, Welcome. how goes? All right, welcome to welcome to the program. I just gave an introduction of you, and we just played one of your songs. Um, awesome. So, so, so welcome, and maybe you can talk a little bit about your background. I gave a little bit of what was on your website, but maybe you can go a little deeper into your background for us. Sure, sure. Yeah, um, I basically, you know, graduated from Berkeley College of Music in Boston. After that, I, I moved out to Los Angeles, and I went and auditioned for a uh, television um, program to be in the late night band, which I was lucky enough to get. I actually was playing saxophone and percussion and a few other things, and ended up being on that late night TV show in the house band, which, you know, was a great thing and very uh, lucky, uh, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, I uh, met a lot of artists on the TV show, which later on I would end up uh, touring with and uh, participating with, with different projects. And after a while of that, once I had children and realized I need to be home a little bit, I went back to Boston and became a professor at Berkeley College of Music. And uh, after that, decided to go and move away again, which brought me to the Austin, uh, Texas area, uh, which I do mm-hmm. love now. And that's where I'm at currently. And I've been doing uh, things here. I still go out and tour and I do all that kind of stuff uh, from here. I've uh, been participating in the Austin Area Jazz Festival, which is a great um, festival and a lot of great people put that on. And basically, you know, doing some touring and stuff from there. So kind of a quick background for you okay all right when when is the austin jazz festival well you know because of the unfortunate like a lot of things the pandemic has really uh kind of thrown that one off as far as it's happening the next time um we're still in the talks about that but we will regroup and do it again um as far as things, though, like that coming up for me, I do have one that I'm going to be doing, and it's actually in El Paso, Texas, and that's going to happen on April 30th, and this is called um, the, the, the what they call it, the 
get up, show out, show out, and show off. Jazz festival. Okay. First, yeah, it's funny. It's the first uh, one that they're having, but that's going to be April 30th, and it's at the Almeda Shrine Theater, and that's in El Paso, Texas, on um, April 30th. So that's a festival I'll be doing that's coming up right now. Today I actually finished up uh, performing at Kalahari Resorts, which if you haven't made it out there, it's a great place to go to. And, you know, it's in Round Rock, and they're really nice. Yeah, I was over there for to eat, but the music wasn't playing yet. It was still – there wasn't much live music at the time, so I have to come back. Are you going to be playing there again? Yeah, yeah. I will be there again on April the 3rd, and I usually do the brunch. Um, with them, with my duo, and that's 12 to 3 um, out at the Amatuli stage. It's really nice outside, and, you know, they've got an open bar, and they've got a whole bunch of great vendors, and, you know, people can really mingle and enjoy um, the outdoors, and, you know, the stage is great. The music's going to be awesome, so, I mean, you know, I th- I would recommend it. And before, I'll probably say this a few times, if you want to send me something or get a hold of me, uh, just go to www.themikehamilton.com, leave a message or whatever. I also have up my dates for everything that I'm doing there as well. Great, great. I'm going to post that on my um, website post about the show later tonight so people can go there and click on it. You can take me awesome. take them right to your website. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so we just played one of your songs. I don't know if you heard any of it. Um, I think it was Daydreaming. Yeah. You guys can played you, it was go ahead. Give me this go. Can talk you talk about a little, little bit, bit about it? Yeah. Of course. Let's talk about it. So yeah, this uh particular track, um, it was not long after I had moved here, um, you know, from Boston. And I ran into a really great guy. I don't want to say his name. I call him Frankie G, and a lot of people know him. And he's a great guy, and he was helping me. And he happens to be really good friends with uh, Nate Watts, who is the uh, music director and bass player for Stevie Wonder. And, Mm. you know, we got along real good. And he's like, you know, I want to hook you up with Nate. And I, I wrote a tune. And, you know, sent it out, and Nate was like, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Let me go ahead and play on it. So he played on that. So that's how I have a Steve Wonder's bass player uh, and music director. He's playing bass on that track, oh, cool. uh, Daydreaming. Yeah, and uh, it, cool. it was a really nice track. It came out real good. It was a nice, nice production. So I was happy with it. Yeah, now we're going to play the the next song that you sent which is Passport to Joy. Can you can you talk about it a little bit before we play it? Sure, sure. I have a lot of my influences come from some good friends that I had when I was in college, one of them uh being a guy named Jethro De Silva and he's from uh Rio de Janeiro, uh, Brazil, and he used to show me various chords and sounds and things that I just found really amazing and beautiful in uh, Brazilian music. And so uh, after that, a lot of the, you'll hear some melodies and things, but I've taken that from uh, Brazilian music, much like Pat Matheny has done with his music. And I incorporate it to make this particular song. So I won't get long winded. So you have enough time to play the tune. (laughs) 
Okay. All right. So we're going to play that. Don't go anywhere. We're going to talk for a couple minutes more when after the song, okay? Sure. All right. Here we go. Beautiful, Michael Hamilton. <laughs> awesome, thank you. That was great. So, Appreciate it. So, Mike, since since you've been here, have you met some of the? I was wondering. We were wondering if you've met some of the local Austin musicians, such as our friend Tomas Ramirez, the Jasmanian Devil. Do you know? Have you heard of him? I don't know, I don't know that particular person, but I do know, I mean, several people and really, really talented players and a couple of them that I will mm-hmm. name is Andre Hayward. Uh, he, he's a trombonist, great friend, excellent, beautiful player. Uh, Pamela Hart, she's an excellent vocalist, um, and she puts on a lot of various jazz things. And, you know, and, you know those are close, closest people that I have here that do a lot of work, but who you're speaking about, I would love to meet as well. You guys got to oh, do a hookup for us. All right, Art will. Um, he's a he's a good friend. He's been on the show a few times. Excellent jazz, also a saxophone player. So well, awesome, um, awesome. You guys hook us yep. up. Yep. All right, great. So so Mike, do you have how many um, CDs do you have? I actually have, you know, the way the music business went, it made us all start turning 
tunes in the singles and not putting them on albums like we used to right. do. I, I don't know if you're familiar, you know. So with that, I mean, I have, I don't know, about, you know, I have like two full albums and I have like, I don't know, eight or nine singles. Uh, I'm about to do another single. It's called Inspiration because uh really just been inspired by so many musicians and um, I want to put that out at the end of uh, May. So I don't know, maybe I'll be able to be in touch with Art or somebody and, you know, get that out to you guys as well. But, yeah. Uh, that'll be the next single. And after that, I will probably put these singles that I have together into a new album. Um, but that's what I'm basically working on right now as far as recording okay. material goes. All right. And so what would be the best way for listeners to download your music then? I, I'm literally on kind of everything. You know, now they do have okay. all, the, all the digital uh, distribution, you know, uh, distributors, and that's, you know, Amazon to Apple to, you know, iTunes and the, um, all of the CD Baby and all the other, you know, ones that you can kind of okay. go to. Yeah, so you can pretty much get anything digitally downloaded that way uh, from me, you know. You can always send in a uh, request for an actual record, uh, as we call it, uh, CD, uh-huh. uh, to, to be sent to you from uh, my website. You know, you just basically send in a a message for that, and then with still do it a little bit old school like that. If you want to do that snail mail, obviously you have to if you want a physical CD. So. Right. Uh, yep, that's kind of how we do it. Okay, and it's just just look up Mike Michael Hamilton or Mike Hamilton. How do you how do you call yourself on those? Yeah, venues? typically you're gonna get. Here's what usually happens: is there's a guitar player named uh, Mike Hamilton as well. So a lot of times, uh, and and he's done similar to me, played with you know bigger groups and platinum artists and things. So you'll get us confused. I play sax, he plays guitar, but um, right. you, you want to go to the uh, mikehamilton.com. That's my website. Um, if by chance you want to email me, you can email me there. I'll, I'll still get it. So that's the easiest way to think of it. It's just the mikehamilton.com and then send anything you want or check that out or anything like that. Okay. Okay. Great. Well, thank mm-hmm. you so much for for being on the program this evening. And I know, especially after you performed today, so thanks for making the time to come and speak with us. Um, Absolutely. And I'd love oh. yeah, yeah, I love to, wanted, to I, come I out and hear one, you play. One quick, let me give you one quick plug because I I'm sorry I was talking over rude of me. I'm I'm sorry. I'd never do that. That's okay. Yeah, we have a, we have a, a slight delay, so it causes that issue <laughs> oh worry. okay i got you but anyway yeah i just want to let your listeners know that coming up soon there will be a awesome place that uh it's called the manhattan jazz and wine club that will be in the greater austin area that i'll be the musical director for and you know if people want to know about that they're going to be able to actually get their total groove on it's going to have a whole bunch of music jazz and you know, all the music that's associated with jazz. So that's pretty much everything. Um, so, but just wanted to that's, give that plug. So go ahead. Well, that's exciting because, you know, we've 
Austin, I've been in Austin a long time, originally from New York, and the one thing that Austin hasn't had is enough jazz clubs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, jazz that gives you jazz, true jazz, 1920s, 1950s, all that stuff, but also gives you the music that's related to it, and that is blues and soul and all the rest of it. Uh, so mm-hmm. that that's what I'm talking about. So it's like, you know, you're not going to just get the old 50s jazz. You're going to get everything, and we're going to be bringing in some other larger artists as well, um, with me being the music director there as well. So we're really excited, and, you know, the owners are excited, and we're looking forward to it. Great. Great. I'm excited to hear about it. Yeah, um, you, well, you'll be there when we, when we get it going. I will. I'm going to invite right. you guys out. You know, I okay. really am. So, yep. Well, thanks so much for being on the program. And I look forward to hearing you play some more and coming to see you and having you back on the program. Awesome. I appreciate you. Much love to the audience. Much love to everybody on staff. You guys are doing a great job. Keep up the great work. And, you know, keep music alive. It's it's us, right? We got to keep it going. That's right. That's right. So you have a yep. good night. You too. Have a good one. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. So let me let everybody know what's coming up next week before we get knocked off the air. Um, Next week, March 27th, we'll be back and we'll be joined once again from New York by motivational speaker as well as singer and performer Reginald Proctor, who will be here as motivational speaker Reginald Proctor, but also as his stage name singer-performer Teddy Houston. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from the show, um, go to my website drmaricarpel.com and the podcast of this program as well as all those website links we talked about will be posted later tonight on my website drmaricarpel.com now if you want to hear tonight's program in five minutes just go directly to blog talk radio b-l-o-g talk radio.com slash your golden years or you can look up this show on apple podcasts and it'll be there. And be sure to follow me on Facebook to find out what's coming up in future shows, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. This show was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions and sponsored by amightygoodtime.com. And thank you to my guests, Elise Krenzel, Michael Hamilton, and thank you to Art. Thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night and inspiring week. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone. Stay safe.
Any guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show. 